I've debated for a while whether or not to talk about this or to cover it as a topic on the show, but considering some developments in my own fiction, I feel that it's relevant. So on this Writing Wednesday episode of Project Shadow, I'd like to talk about how we incorporate mythology, legend, and religion into our fiction. Don't worry, this isn't going to be preachy or proselytize but it will hopefully help you be a bit more compassionate when you do this, because uh, I see a lot of people do weird things, and I'm trying to keep from doing that in my own fiction. So let's talk about that on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and I just want to start this podcast by saying I hope you don't hear the neighbor's lawnmower in the background. I, I've tried to start recording several times, and it seems like every time I start, they turn the lawnmower on. And then I stop, and they turn the lawnmower off. It's almost like they know I'm trying to record, and they turn it on every time. But right now, so far, it's quiet outside. So hopefully I picked a good window. Anywho, yeah, today I wanted to talk about religion and mythology in our fiction and being a bit compassionate about it. Now, I'm not saying that you cannot have contrary opinions to the religious faiths of the world. I'm not saying that you can't talk about your own personal abuse or anything like that. Those are topics that need discussion. Those are topics that we need to approach with compassion because we need people to understand those kinds of stories. What I am talking about is treating other people's myth mythologies and uh, culture and religion as a plaything with which we can do whatever we will. Basically, what I'm saying is do your homework. <laughs> at least try to do your homework because the, as somebody who is primarily Christian, I, I don't want to get into my religious faith on this podcast too much, but as somebody who is primarily Christian, I, I hear people use phrases like immaculate conception and virgin birth in ways that they don't mean what they think they mean. And it just makes me sigh because a cursory period on Wikipedia would have set people straight on those things. And I know from my own experience in trying to work with other communities, and I've actually scrapped entire stories because I could not find people from the communities that I wanted to talk write about that were willing to, even for money, help me understand their community better so I could better represent them in my fiction. So, yeah, just do your homework, do the best that you can with it, and realize that you, you might not, if, especially if you're not part of the community, you may not understand it as well as you think you do. Having said that, the, the reason I, I started talking about this is because I think a lot of 
people who are not writers think that we write exclusively through our own religious paradigm, whatever that may be, whether we're agnostic, atheist, or a believer in some form or another. That's not always true. You see, I, I've I've had some ideas that I've wanted to incorporate into my fiction for a while, but I very specifically don't want my fiction to look as though I'm trying to proselytize people to my faith. And so I have avoided directly certain religious topics while through several of the stories that I've done, tackling them through invented religions to the best of my ability. That may or may not be the best option. Um, I tend to write fantasy and science fiction, so it's a much more readily available option to me. But I, I try to be very careful when I'm pulling things in from other faiths. Yes, I, I have worked on a story where I wanted Avila Kodeshvara to actually show up in the story, but I w- was struggling for ways to be respectful to people who have such different views of that bodhisattva in the various schools of Buddhism that are out there. And it caused me to decide not to include that character or that storyline because I couldn't figure out a way to do it that I felt would be both respectful to the people that I seriously did not want to offend by including the character, and also in a way that I felt was genuine to that personality from the stories that I was drawing on. More than anything, the biggest problem that I see in people's writing when they deal with mythology is forgetting that some schema are still practiced. Using Hindu gods in your fiction isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you have to remember there's a lot of Hindus in the world. That, That is still an active pantheon. That is still a culture which people actively participate in and believe. Now, I don't have that same feel feelings when it comes to, say, using Nordic religion, because while there are some people who still practice a revived version of that, for the most part, when I'm talking about Thor, I'm talking about the Thor from the Adas, and I actually try to keep my Thor very close to the Adas. So hopefully they would see what I'm doing is respectful anyway. And if not, I, I'm not specifically talking about their neo-Odinism or what have you. I am referring specifically to that older practice. I think the reason I wanted to bring this up and the reason I wanted to talk about it more than anything else is, well, we'll talk about my own story in a moment, but there is a shocking amount of mm, inconsiderate writing out there when it comes to people having faith. And again, I'm not saying that you cannot write a story that is opposed. I I know I have very strident opinions that make a lot of people think that I am (laughs) opposed to people having faith. But if you are actually wanting Okay, let me let me phrase it this way. 
this is a very hard conversation to have. I've written so many outlines on how to talk about this, and none of them quite work. So I apologize for the hemming and hawing, but I figured the only way I would actually get this recorded was to actually record it. So you have to ask yourself what you're doing, because if you're just producing a polemic where people who already agree with you are going to continue to agree with you, okay, again, free speech, I'm not going to tell you that you can't do that. But don't be surprised if that polemic causes ire. It's not that you can't say what you believe, and it's not that you can't say that you don't think people should believe and or act in certain ways. It's having the compassion to get into the head of someone who actually has those beliefs so that they can understand your critique and criticism that matters. You see, in our modern discourse, as it exists in the world, there is a problem where we are either trying to score points in a fictitious game whereby we win, or we're just wanting to state our opinions as if they're just going out into the ether and that cathartic purging of emotion will make us a better person. We're not actually engaging in dialogue with people we disagree with. And that, I think, is something that needs to happen more. And I know it's not easy because I have a lot of family that are very conservative in their beliefs, and it's not always easy to have those conversations with them. But it is a goal of mine to maybe somehow win them over someday. So I try my best not to burn my bridges with them and to try to talk to them in a manner that shows that I hear them I hear what they're trying to say, but they need to try to hear what I'm trying to say. And that's the fine line between writing a very interesting story that talks about faith, such as The Last Jedi, um, or writing God's Not Dead. Because <laughs> God's Not Dead is not going to convert anybody. It's just going to confirm you on whichever side that you're in. And that doesn't serve any purpose. I mean, yeah, it can be nice to pat ourselves on the back and go, haha, aren't we so smart from time to time? But let's be honest, even as somebody who has a spiritual belief practice in life, I, I look, I, when I watched God's Not Dead, I just went, wow, I, I would never follow that God. That God is evil. And I don't think that that's really what the creators of that film were wanting me to walk away with it feeling. This all goes back to the whole idea of what do you want your audience to take away from your fiction? If they want to feel that you actually are representing the real world, then your characters need to be less caricature or stereotype and somebody who actually fits into the setting that you're trying to develop. So understanding that there are varieties of every faith in the world. No religion is a monolith. And that, by the way, should go for the ones that you create. If everyone in your fictional religion believes the exact same things, that's a cult, not a faith. Faith is extremely individualistic. 
and no two people share the exact same interpretation of their religious texts, the purpose of their rituals, the manner in which you should practice your faith. Those vary wildly from person to person within the same faith. We often forget that diversity, and I've talked about this when it comes to fantasy and sci-fi races where all Klingons are warriors, and all Vulcans are logical. Okay, well that's nice, and while Cybok is not my favorite character in the world, I like the idea that he exists, because yeah, there would be some dissenters within Vulcan culture that would not ascribe wholeheartedly to this belief. Now, there may be biological reasons that they end up having that, that, and we can talk about that, but that gets really sketchy because we're talking about species, then we're not talking about race, and we need to be using our words properly. And even within a sci-fi species, there would be variant racial groups within it, and they would not behave as a monolith, because nothing does that. Especially when it comes to religion, and when it comes to faith. See, my, my problem with writing anything that got close to Christianity is I do not want to sound like I'm proselytizing. I don't want to be one of those people. And it's not because I don't think that I follow a faith that is true or that I believe in it or anything. It's because that's not my purpose in storytelling. I don't want to have to sit down and go over my own fiction to see, does this align perfectly with my beliefs and standards? Because it won't. <laughs> the characters that I'm creating have their own beliefs that are distinct and different from my own. And hopefully yours do too. And that's half the magic of writing, is getting to live in somebody else's head for a while. That's definitely the magic of reading, is that we get to live in the head of somebody else for a little while. And so I just avoided anything at all that had to do with Christianity. Now, I have recently changed my mind on that and have decided to incorporate a lot of Sethian Gnosticism into a story that I'm working on, because one, I think it actually makes the story different and unique in a very interesting way, and at the same time, is distinct and different from what I, my belief and my practice. And I, I don't think anybody's going to be converted by the characters in the story. I really don't. I really don't. But <laughs> you never know. People are people. are people, and That's just the way it is. But I'm still trying to be respectful. Not that I'm going to get everything absolutely right. And I don't have to worry about that much because... Well, the Sethian movement did die out hundreds of years ago. So while there may be some people who have recently, since the publication of the Nakamadi Library, started to ascribe to their belief system, we know so little about its actual belief and practice that I have a lot of freedom there to construct and play that I wouldn't have with a truly living current faith. And yeah, some people are probably going to call me out for using this wrong or misinterpreting that or what have you, because 
let's face it, it's the internet, and people are going to do that. But at the same time, the things that I'm wanting to do and the things that I'm wanting to say, I don't have to spend as much of my mental energy and effort worrying about whether or not I'm going to accidentally offend certain groups of people. I know conservative Christians are going to be offended by the use of characters like Lilith in my story. I know that. I know that going into it. And there's nothing I can do about that. It, it is going to happen. <laughs> but I know that going in. And so at the same time as I know that that is going to be an offensive thing for some people, especially the way I'm using her in the story, I can at least know that the, the form of uh, faith that is being presented in the story is so different from their own that at least I'm not continuing to poke a bear. <laughs> and yes, I may be overthinking it for this, and I am. But the f when it comes to a lot of these things, the quickest way to kick me out of your story is if you don't do homework on the things that people might know something about. Like the Da Vinci Code, for example. When it was big, I was curious, I bought a copy of the book, and as soon as Dan Brown wrote words like the Nicene, the, the Council of Nicaea picked the New Testament of the Bible, I was out. He had a scholar say those words, and those aren't true. This is not history. And it, it completely t takes me out of the story, out of the narrative, because I just realized, oh, you didn't even do your basic homework. Hmm. Now, it's all right to write conspiracy fiction and to embellish it as well as you can. But remember, all fiction is a well-crafted lie. We're trying to get people to, at least for a moment, suspend their disbelief and believe something that we made up. All we... <laughs> the best way to do that is to make sure we get right the things that we can get right. Because if they are wrong, well, they're not going to believe us on the things that we really have to lie about. You know, the idea that there is this hidden bloodline running through the world. Okay, you might be able to get me there in your novel. Because some novels have. But if you get the small things wrong, like the actual history wrong, See, that's a gray area. We don't know if Jesus was married, if he had children. That, that, there, there's speculation, there's belief, and all of that, right? But we don't have any proof one way or the other about that. So that's a gray area you can write a story about. We, we have firsthand accounts of the Council of Nicaea. We know it was discussed there. We know it was the Arian controversy. And yes, I don't expect most of the people who read that book to know that, and I'm just poking on that one in particular because it's one that stands out to me because I hear that repeated way too much. But you have to do your homework. You have to make sure that you're using reputable sources because, well, if you're not being careful with the things that are true, no one's going to believe the lie. <laughs> I mean, just, just to be completely bold about this. So if you're going to use phrases like Immaculate Conception, 
make sure you know what that means. If you're going to be using anything from a particular religion that is currently practiced, you should look into it first and make sure that you're using it properly. And that may sound like I'm being overly sensitive, but let's just look at this from a cold money standpoint. If there's, you know, let's say a billion Christians, a billion Muslims, and a billion, billion Hindus in the world, it, it's more than that, but let's just use those numbers because it's, I think there's like 900 million Hindus or something like that. But anyway, I think 2 billion Christians. I, anyway, you get what I'm saying. There's a lot. If you're misrepresenting basic things that they would take for granted, you're probably going to lose them as readers because they're going to go, well, they don't even understand what they're talking about and check out of the book. And that's why this is important. Yes, we should be conscious and care about not harming other people, but we should also care about making a living and not, not losing an audience because it's obvious we don't pay attention to what we're doing. JK Rowling. All right. All right. Hopefully <laughs> that clears things up for you. I hope you understood what I was trying to say. And I hope that this made sense. I've been thinking about this for a while and because of some decisions I've decided to make in my own story recently, I just thought that it was time to actually do this episode. Anywho, thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, down in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean. I would love to hear from you. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, I am C. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. If you have a buck that you can pass my way down in the show notes, you'll find a link to both listener support and my Patreon. Thank you to everybody who does that. It means the world to me. But if you don't have any money right now, which a lot of us don't, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but if you know anybody that you think would like anything that I do, please share it with them. That helps out immensely as well. All right. Okay. All right. So until next time, Stay well, stay safe, and don't forget to have the fun. Bye.